You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Third down, inches to go. The Peter. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. He's got the quarterback. Taking each inch. He's got the Live from the Packernet Podcast Studios, this is Packers Total Access. I am your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Packers underscore access. If you've got a question or a comment for the show, you can get that to us by emailing the show at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Now, on the show today, we actually are going to answer a listener's question uh, through an email here and uh, and kind of touch on a little bit of a, a wide receiver question, if you will. And we're also going to have Jacob in from Packernet Podcast, uh, which I'm very excited about because, as you guys know, we just wrapped up our recap of last season, right, and kind of <clears throat> went back and did a self-scout of – you know, what did the Packers do good? What did they do bad? What they might want to be working on uh, here in training camp, why they made some of the offseason moves that they made. It kind of lines up with the numbers and, and the results from last year. But now we're going to step in. We've got six weeks coming up until week one of the uh, regular season. We're going to be doing post-game shows and all that stuff. You guys know we got an awesome format set up for you. But uh, until then, our Sunday segment with Jacob, we're going to kind of look ahead at this year's opponents. Now that free agency is completely wrapped up, the draft is over, you, you kind of got all this information sitting there now, the teams are pretty much complete for the most part. We're going to dive into those teams and talk about coaching changes. We're going to talk about uh, players that they added, players that they lost, and just kind of give you a a real quick overview, a scout of the upcoming opponents. We're going to do it in three-game increments, okay? So that's what we got on tap here with Jacob today. Now, before we get into the listener email, just want to do a plug for our giveaway. Um, We are giving away one indoor club seat to the Packers-Rams Monday night football game there on December 19th at Lambeau Field. It's indoors, out of the elements, front row, um, $500 in value for the ticket. You're going to be right there on the glass. Uh, that, you know, it's just an awesome experience. You ain't got to worry about the code. However, if you're one of those weirdos, one of the freaks, one of the, the diehards, right? And you want to get out in the code, you have access to the rooftop of Lambeau Field right underneath the, uh, the scoreboard on that end. And, um, you can go up there and kind of, you know, they got concessions. You can have a, have a beer, or a hot chocolate, stand out there in the cold for a minute. Then you can come right back down and step inside and get back in the warmth of the, uh, indoor club seats. It's really, it's a luxury box experience when it comes to watching the Packers and uh, it's a lot of fun but we're giving away that ticket like I said an indoor club seat $500 in value we're also giving away a VIP tailgate pass for the uh, official tailgate party for the Green Bay Packers just down the street uh, just a couple hundred yards away from Lambeau Field um, you, you actually uh, can can kind of hang out with the tailgaters but also go indoor the VIP uh uh, the VIP tailgate pass will get you indoors where they've got a bunch of big screens at D2. I think it's called D2 is the sports bar it's going to be at. It's very fancy.
family friendly, but there will be, you know, all you can drink, uh, all, all you can eat and all you can drink, you know, alcoholic beverages as well. You can just kind of hang out in there and watch the, uh, the, uh, the late afternoon games wrap up and just kind of chill and, and uh, mingle with other Packer fans. That's $75 in value. So total $575 in value. If you want to enter the contest, go to my Twitter account at Packers underscore access, follow the account. And there's a pinned tweet at the top of the page. You retweet that tweet, and uh, that will get you entered into the contest. We're going to do a drawing here in uh, early to mid-August and announce the winner to give people plenty of time to either set up travel uh, you know, travel arrangements and make sure you can make it to the game, or if you want to resell that that uh, that indoor club seat ticket, you're free to do that as well. We just want to give people a time to maximize on the giveaway. So, um, also, if you're looking to do any kind of advertising, get up with Ryan. We're, we've got some really, really good deals on advertising through the podcast right now. If you've got a small business, large business event you want to promote, whatever it is, make sure you hit Ryan up on Twitter or you can email him directly. So, with that being said, let's get into the show. And we have a, a listener email here, and this comes from Chuck Jaggers. He says, who is our possession receiver? I feel like that's very important for Super Bowl winning teams. And if I were to answer my own question, it'd be Aaron Jones. You know, Big Bobby T at times for sure. But I remember Donald Driver always being on time and ready to take the hit to get us a first down during our Super Bowl run. When Jones splits out, you can bet he's going to be looked at first. He also goes on to talk about, you know, it could be running back one or two out of the shotgun as, uh, you know, one of our uh, best possession receivers in his opinion. So I'll say this. You're you're exactly right. You know, I talked about in the past, uh, Chuck, how um, I tend to to lean on schematics. I like to see a play develop, and I feel like every play is designed to work 100% of the time. No matter what the defense runs, if a if it's a great play call design, there's going to be somebody open. Now, that's not to say that someone can't kind of you know uh, go away from their assignment on defense and shut down a, a particular option route or whatever it may be. Um, but there should always be someone open if the quarterback reads the defense right. We all know Aaron Rodgers is is one of, if not the best quarterback at pre-snap reads and post-snap reads, right? That's what makes him so u- unique. In my opinion, uh, the four best attributes of a quarterback is pre-snap read, post-snap read, accuracy, and quick release. Aaron has all those at an elite level. So with that being said, though, I'm in the minority because – Coaches, coaches in the past and coaching staffs typically say, think players, not plays, right? And and that's kind of what you've seen. I mean, you've seen it last year with the Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams and Cooper Cup, right? He was that player. It always seems like there's a player that, that a quarterback will go to um, in crucial moments, like you mentioned with Donald Driver, to, to pick up that first down. So in my opinion, I think Aaron Jones is going to be very dynamic, and I don't think that's a bad choice. I think you may be right there. But the one that comes to mind for me is Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb is going to have a bounce-back year. If he stays healthy, I think you're going to see someone who grades in the upper 70s to lower 80s at the wide receiver position. He's someone that Aaron Rodgers trusts more than anyone else, and I think that uh, he's going to be the guy to go to. I mean, Aaron went to him time and time again last year when he was healthy when it was a, a crucial crucial situation. I mean, you could see it in, in some of the big games where it was close down down to the wire, he was looking at Randall Cobb when he was healthy. Now, Amari Rodgers is going to kind of try to play that role a little bit too, and maybe he spells Randall at times, but I hope Randall can stay healthy because I think that's going to be our possession receiver. You mentioned uh, 
Big Bobby T, I like the way you said that, Bob Tunyon. If he is indeed 100% healthy from that ACL injury, I think we're going to lean on him heavily. He's a guy that that knows the system, knows exactly what LaFleur wants out of him, all those things, and it's it's huge. It's crucial in this offense. You know, I, I can't remember if it was LaFleur or Gutekunst that talked about it in the offseason, but they were talking about how it's so difficult to find tight ends because they have to marry up to every aspect of the offense. They've got to be be in sync with the running game and be able to run block. Sometimes they've got to chip, which you've seen Tunyon do that a lot before he got hurt with David Bakhtiari being out of the lineup. So they've got to be able to run block, pass block, and they've got to be able to uh, you know, run crisp routes and be great possession receivers. The thing that sticks out to me about Bob Tunyon, I know it's kind of a mixed bag of reviews when it comes to Bob Tunyon. Some people say he's a he's a great player on the on the verge of being a superstar. Others say he's just an average player and they're not that impressed with him. For me, it's right in the middle. I think he is a good solid tight end. But the thing that sticks out to me is he has strong hands. He is a very, very reliable pass catcher. I don't think he's going to blaze people or, or blow their socks off with his with his breakaway speed. I don't think he's someone who's an excellent run blocker. I think he's good at everything for the most part. And uh, I think that he just doesn't drop a whole lot of balls. Uh, it's not necessarily that I think he has a huge catch radius, although that may be the case. I haven't looked into those you know, uh, those details of his game. But it just seems like every time the ball is thrown to him, he catches it. And that's huge. It's it's absolutely huge for a tight end. I think you're going to see us lean a little more on the running game this year. Not crazy major like like a lot of the uh, the, the national talking heads are, are you know are talking about it. I think Aaron's still going to wing it around the yard. But if they lean on the run a little bit more and it opens up the play action pass and and Josiah DeGuara does step into his own, I could see them coming out occasionally in a 12 look right or even a 13 look at times and and being able to just just to kind of mix things up when it comes to uh, the offensive side of the ball. And I think Tunyon is really going to benefit from that, if indeed he is healthy. I hope the reports are are accurate when people are saying he's going to be ready for week one. Because if he is, it's going to play a huge, huge role in this offense. I mean, if you've got a, health, a healthy Tunyon, a healthy big dog, a healthy Josiah DeGuara, and you are looking to, to lean on the run and you're looking to play more two-back sets where you can flex Aaron Rodgers out with pre-snap motion, I mean, there's a lot of things that that opens up. You know, a lot of people, when they think of Aaron Jones, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, Chuck. I, I've definitely been guilty of it. I know there's other listeners that have been guilty of it. When you think of Aaron Jones flexing out, you think of him just lining up as wide receiver. And that's not what they do a lot of the times. They will put him and in, in, in A.J. Dillon in the backfield. And they really have two different approaches to this with a smoke, with a, uh, with a smoke route uh, kind of thrown in as well, an alert or a looky RPO. And and I'm going to paint a picture for you here. Imagine Aaron Rodgers in the shotgun. To one side, he's got uh, let's say let's say AJ Dillon is on the right. Let's say Aaron Jones is on the left. There's a number of things that can happen here. Aaron may come to the line and just stay with a, a typical run play to Aaron Jones. Okay, where he's just going to hand the ball off to Aaron Jones. It's going to be an in, inside zone run to the right, or even maybe an outside you know power play to the right. And, and he could just hand the ball off. But in that same play, there might be uh, you know uh, an aspect of the play diagram to be an RPO, meaning they may have a quick alert look, right, to where let's say Cobb is in the, in the slot on the left, okay? He snaps the ball. He reads the defense. If the defense bites on the run, Aaron will pull it out of Aaron Jones' belly and hammer that slant or that smoke route to Randall Cobb. That's an aspect of the offense. Okay, There may be another play, same exact formation, everything I talk about here, think the same exact formation. 
double sidecar shotgun look, right? And and let's say that he comes out and the play is for pre-snap motion for Aaron Jones just to flex out wide. So Aaron comes set, calls the cadence. Aaron Jones goes in motions. He lines up wide. He's either got a linebacker on him or it's going to show Aaron they're in zone defense. Everything kind of adjusts. Now Aaron knows where he's going. You've got one side overloaded. You've got Aaron Jones with great hands out of the backfield, although he's lined up as a wide receiver at that point, and also someone who can run crisp routes. So you've still got A.J. Dillon in the backfield. You may do that and take advantage of a passing opportunity there with Aaron Jones split out wide on a linebacker or something, right? Or you may flex him out and they read man coverage. The backer follows him out, you know, or maybe slides to the inside receiver. The defense rolls to the left. Now you hand it off on an inside zone or maybe a counter run with A.J. Dillon and you've got the the uh, the inbox number mismatch that you're looking for, Right. So in this scenario, Aaron Jones splits out wide. It may be a passing play, or it might be to clear that box a little bit and give A.J. Dillon a little bit more running lane uh, if they wanted to hand the ball off to him. Let's bring it back to the same formation, double sidecar, right, shotgun look. Let's say in this case, the pre-snap motion is simply Aaron Jones uh, going to the right, or not even a pre-snap motion. Let's say it's a play-action pass. Let's say the play is designed to, uh, you know, let's go pre-snap motion. I'm sorry. Aaron, pre-snap motion, Aaron Jones comes up in motions right across the formation, putting the putting the defense at even more of a disadvantage. And now you might have, it was pre-snap motion with an RPO look to A.J. A. Dillon. You understand what I'm saying? There's so many options that come to the table. And that's why it's so important to have a quarterback that's smart like Aaron Rodgers because there's so many quarterbacks in the league, at least at least half of the starters, I feel safe saying, would not be able to handle that kind of workload, that kind of pre-step, uh, pre-snap processing that Aaron does and still have the quick release and accuracy of this RPO game to maximize what the defense did or did not do, right? Because in some cases, you're trying to get them to do something that they think is a strength, and then Aaron to make a split-second decision and go against the grain and it be the right call. That's why you've seen Devontae Adams get so many looks because there was many occasions where Aaron seen that and thought, well, they've got to play soft now. We overloaded their zone. And right before the ball snap, he looks over at Tay. He automatically sees the DB, the corners, you know, weight shift into their heels and start the back pedal just to touch pre-snap. He and Devontae were on the same page to go, okay, this is going to be a smoke route. Let's dump it out there real quick. An easy anywhere from four to seven yard gain if if Tay doesn't break the play wide open, right? Well, another option would be to go back to the same formation. And again, this is just one formation in just four or five plays and, and how it opens everything up. If you've got a tight end that's capable of, of running good routes and being a possession receiver and you've got two running backs that are a threat to either run or catch the pass because a lot of people don't understand that A.J. Dillon was an excellent receiver last year. He has been since he came in the league. And that was one of the knocks in college was he couldn't catch the football, but all the talking heads didn't look at the tape. They just seen his reception total and they're stat nerds. There's a difference between grading plays and players and looking at statistics. Statistics are analytics. In my opinion, player grades are totally different from analytics. That's just the way I look at that. But, you know, A.J. Dillon came out uh, at the combine. He caught every pass thrown to him. The Packers seen enough. They said, this this is exactly what we want in a power back. He's someone who can catch the football. And they incorporated him into the passing game as well. But imagine that same set. Shotgun, double sidecar, right? And Aaron snaps the ball, play fakes to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones 
play, you know, like he's going to be running a, a sweep right play, right? And they play fake to him. And not only does that open up everything on the left or maybe the tight end down the seam, but you've still got A.J. Dillon to chip block. So you ain't got a max protect back there. You could chip on a delay release. But imagine Aaron Jones. He's already got the momentum going across the field, faking that sweep right. And he just turns that into a route and into a wheel route where you've got not just one, but two windows that Aaron can hit him on a pass. He can play fake. And then as the defense bites, one of them might blow their assignment and he can dump it real quick to Aaron Jones. You've seen that so many times last year. Or he can wait and let Aaron get to the sideline and run a wheel route off of it. And then underneath, let's say A.J. Dillon throws a chip block and then he does a little Texas route across the middle when you've got Tunyon stretching the field. And again, the key component is shotgun, two backs in the backfield. Whether you got three wide receivers or not, you you know you you want to mix in tight ends instead of wide receivers. It works exactly the same. There's just a lot of things that they can do in that regard. So I can see Aaron Jones to a certain extent being that go-to possession receiver that you're talking about. But more so, what I'm excited about Chuck is the schematic approach, the things that this is going to open up. I think this year you're truly going to get to see Matt LaFleur's creativity because Tay's gone and there's going to be a, a lot a lot uh, less of those smoke routes, those looks at the line, and Aaron just dumping it off to a receiver because he and Tay had something a little bit different than, than he might have with an Alan Lazard or even a Randall Cobb when it comes to a skill set advantage uh you know or disadvantage i should say losing tay so i'm very very excited to see how it unfolds that's a great question i appreciate you bringing it up hopefully i did i wasn't too confusing there it's so hard to explain um a play diagram like that uh, when you're just talking into a microphone right and it it really becomes hard when the guy talks like uh, you know speaks english on a third grade level with the you know redneck accent but hopefully that kind of just gave you an idea of one formation and all the chaos that can be created within this matt lafleur system and uh, indeed taking advantage of different personnel looks because here's the other thing guys you know as we're going to talk about here with jacob here in a little bit we're probably going to dive into a little bit of the uh, sharp analysis numbers and talk about what teams how how often teams were in certain personnel i'm sure that the conversation will steer in that direction at some point but the more personnel that you can show every time you change your personnel for the most part a defense is going to have to sub so they've constantly got people coming in on and off the field one thing i've noticed here of lately is you don't see aaron Rodgers catching defenses with 12 men on the field a lot right I think that's going to return this year. Mark my words. I think there's going to be a lot of subbing in and out for the defense. I think the Packers are going to be be able to come out and do multiple things from a formational standpoint. And the thing that excites me the most is all these rookie wide receivers that everybody's trying to predict are going to have 700 yards, 500 yards, this many touches, that many touches. I think what you're going to see is this approach with a two-back set, and not a majority of the time, but a large chunk of the time, is going to really take a lot of pressure off these rookie wide receivers. I mean, when you start talking about pounding the rock like we think they're going to do and all of this pre-snap motion, when it does come time for uh, you know one of the rookie receivers, whether it's Christian Watson or, or Romeo Dobbs to come into the game, um, they're going to have no pressure on them at all. I really feel like that. Now, if, you, if, they, if the Packers did what the media wants them to do, then, yeah, there's going to be a ton of pressure, which is, well, you just got to line them up there and make them do what Tay did. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And when people talk like that, they just don't understand the schematic approach to the game of football. Listen, I don't understand, I understand it at a very minute level. 
but I've watched enough football. I watched every Packer snap last year three times. That's my off-season goal every year as a Packer fan. I know it sounds crazy. You're probably going, do you have a life? Surprisingly, I do. But my goal every offseason is to go back on Game Pass and watch every single offensive snap, offensive and defensive snap the Green Bay Packers had the previous year at least three times. And it doesn't make me a smarter football fan. It doesn't make me more dedicated or, or knowledgeable by no means. But over time, that saturation of watching those plays, you really start to pick up on the little nuances of an offense or a defensive scheme. And uh, really, really excited about this year. So, Chuck, thank you so much for the question. It was an excellent question. Hopefully that answered it for you. But in short, my answer would be I could see Jones playing that role at a big extent, but I think it's going to be Randall Cobb if indeed he stays healthy. So, uh, great question, man. All right, so what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break. We're going to pay some bills. That way we can have Jacob in here and it go completely uninterrupted for about 30 minutes of us just breaking down those first three games of the season. And, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, gang, now it's time to welcome in our good buddy from Packernet Podcast. Mr. Jacob, Jacob, what's going on today, my friend? Oh man, I'm I'm uh, I'm ready to go. I'm up and at him. Got up early. I'm excited and ready to go. There you go. All right, guys, we're going to launch a new segment um, here. We've got six Sundays until the NFL season starts as far as week one. Keep in mind, we're still going to do the post-game show for the preseason games. We might be doing a little bit of preview for the preseason games, but for the most part. We're kind of getting geared up for week one. So for the next six Sundays, the plan is we're going to do uh, kind of in three-game increments, give you guys an idea, a preview of how these teams um, kind of match up against the Packers, maybe some information that you wouldn't uh, otherwise have, right? So we're going to kind of dive into that. Coaching changes are the big thing. but um, And just we want to give you kind of a, a schematic look at these teams. We're also going to look at where they ranked last year, maybe where the new coaches ranked coming in this year, and just some nuggets here and there. But before we do that, Jacob, I know we uh, recently here at Packernet Podcast launched a new project where it's uh, a little uh, a little bit of a fun uh, fun show, I guess you could say. Guys that kind of hang loose, cut up a little bit, call in. We want to get the listeners more involved. So Ryan has done an excellent job setting up a number to call into. Tell them a little bit more about that project before we get started here. 
Yeah, man. It's uh, it's like you said, it's just kind of a fun little new thing we're going to try out. It's been going very well in the beginning. Basically, it was just going to be a Packers After Dark show where we're going to give you a phone number to call. That number is 608-501-0718. Again, that's 608-501-0718. Basically, we're going to just let you guys call in, talk about whatever you want, barbecue, your hot takes, your stupid neighbor, your, you know, Packers content, obviously, and just ask some questions. Uh, like I said, give us your hot takes, whatever it is, make fun of Clayton, obviously make fun of JJ, make fun of Ryan, whatever you want to do. Um, and then basically we're just going to go ahead and have Ryan, the pack daddy schlip. He's going to just basically take apart those questions, those subjects, those, uh, you know, topics, and then he'll respond to them on air. And usually I believe that's going to air, I believe at nighttime generally. And we're just kind of basing it off of how much call volume we have. We're going to put out as much content as we can. So again, if you guys have any questions, feel free to call that number, or you can actually get a hold of us on Instagram. It's at Packernet Podcast on Twitter. It's at Packernet. If you guys have any questions ever for Clayton, for JJ, for Jake, Sam, Ryan, anybody, you can send those to the Instagram, to the Twitter, and I'll funnel them over to those guys and make sure that they get that 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 information. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. That's a perfect plug. Now, I'll tell you this, guys. If you go to Ryan's Twitter account, he's got that number tagged at the top, too. If you're driving, you can't write that number down that Jacob mentioned. Um, he's actually got it. I believe uh, it's pinned to the top of his page. But uh, Ryan should be getting hazard pay for taking some of those calls. I'm just going <sighs> to right now. I, mean, it's, it's pretty- I heard some weirdo like Uncle Bill, some guy named Uncle Bill called in. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Uh, well, I hope that wasn't my Uncle Bill. That would suck. But. Mm. We'll see. Anyway, all right, let's get into it, Jacob. Guys, you know, we just wrapped up the recap from last year. We're going to kind of do that moving forward now going into this season. we got some some time to fill here before the season starts. So we we don't want it to just be filler stuff. I mean, obviously, we're doing the, the Packernet After Dark stuff for fun. You've got all kinds of different opportunities to engage and, and enjoy podcasts. But we're the nerds here. We want to crunch the numbers and kind of see what are we uh, stepping into this season. And let's start with week one here, Jacob, at Minnesota, 425 kickoff. Minnesota Vikings record last year was eight and nine. Their scoring offense was 14th in the league with 25.0 points a game. Their scoring defense was 25.1 points per game. They were 24th in the league in scoring defense. But all of that kind of goes out the window, doesn't it? Because Minnesota, they have a new coaching staff. They just hired Kevin O'Connell. Uh, he, he's uh, their new head coach, and they've got a new defensive coordinator in Ed Donatel. Okay, let me give you a little – just a little snapshot snapshot with these guys. Kevin O'Connell, as you guys know, I was real big on the Rams. There was a lot of people saying they were overrated. You know, the Rams last year <clears throat> had one of the best offenses in the league. Their offensive coordinator was Kevin O'Connell, so he's now the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Well, the L.A. Rams last year, their PFF grade on offense was 85.7. That was third best in the entire league. Okay, now, so before you get, you know, you're probably going, well, this sucks. Their their offense is going to be even more explosive. There's a good chance, right? I think that was a good hire according to – PFF, the numbers, if that scheme comes over and, and they and they blend it in real well to their culture in Minnesota, it could be. Now, looking at the defensive side of the ball, though, I know Ed Donatel has been, been around for a while, but when you look at Denver's defense, and he was their defensive uh, – or uh, yeah, he came from their defense last year, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Is that right, Jacob? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay, so if you look at their defense last year overall, guys, they were 26th in the league when it comes to PFF defensive grade. I mean, they were an abysmal, my gosh, 57.9. But here's the thing. 
everybody's trying to duplicate what the Shanahan system has done, right? So they went out and got the Shanahan system offensive coordinator to be the head coach, and then they seen the success that Green Bay had with their defense. So Ed Donatello does come from that Fangio, that Vic, Vic Fangio defensive coaching tree. So that's kind of what you're looking at there. The other one I will mention, I'm going to turn it over to you, Jacob. The thing that that scares me a little bit is their outside linebackers coach, Mike Smith. As you guys yeah. know, came over from Green Bay. They've got a bunch of, uh, I don't know, a bunch of Benedict Arnolds over there right now. You've got, <laughs> got Mike Coates. Yeah, Mike Pettin as the assistant head coach. You've got Mike Smith as the outside linebacker coach. Obviously, they went, went out and got Zadarius Smith. But I'm going to shut up now and turn it over to you, Jacob. Tell me about this week one matchup against Minnesota. Am I wrong by thinking, man, they made some good moves this year? Or do you think uh, think it might be, uh, you know, pretty justified? All right. So here's my deal. Here's my my devil's advocate. I wrote this. I have my notes kind of categorized in, a, in an area where I thought, here's my reason to be optimistic for the Vikings. And I basically kind of touched on what you said, Kevin O'Connell. He's the 10th coach in franchise history for the Vikings. Just a little fun fact. If you're curious, Matt LaFleur was the 15th head coach of the Packers. Just thought that was interesting. The Packer, I'm sorry, the Vikings have named Kevin O'Connell as the 10th head coach. They did that February 15th, 2002. And like you said, I mean, for how much the Viking fans and the Viking organization has constantly criticized Packers and Packer fans in our organization, they are pretty much patching together a Frankenstein version of old Packer players, old Packer coaches. And it's just kind of funny to see. It's kind of like if you lived on a block and you saw this crappy house that was just run down, dirty, you made fun of it all the time. And then you get a loan and you want to build your house and you go and like rip the door off that crappy house. And then you take a couple of the shingles and, you know, like you're patching together literally like the thing that you've been making fun of for your whole life. And it's just, it, I don't understand that. But like you said, O'Connell, he was really great in the offense in, in, in LA and not just last year in 2020, they were the 12th ranked offense overall as well. And like you said, the turncoats, man, Mike Patton is going to be the assistant head coach. Got Ed Donatel, who obviously had a stint. Uh, let's see here. Prior to working in Denver, Donatel spelled 2015 to 2018 in the NFC North as the Bears defensive backs coach. He was coaching up guys like Adrian Amos, Kyle Fuller, and Eddie Jackson. And then also he worked as the Packers defensive coordinator from 2000 to 2003. And like you said, the Broncos were yeah, okay, but he actually did help them in their red zone situations. They basically stepped in at 2018 and he brought them up to the number one position by 2019 and in 2020, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 2021, they were ranked number three as far as red zone defense. And last season, Denver ranked in the leads top 10 in total yards allowed uh, fourth downs, red zone percent and points against. So there is some, you know, I, I think that if you're a Vikings fan, you have reason to be excited, especially because, like you said, a whole new coaching staff, whole new GM, whole new vision. Uh, but then, yeah, they take Mike Smith. They took Shannon Sullivan. They took Zadarius. I mean, these you can't just say that, like, <laughs> it's just all by chance. They definitely have a vision. They saw that what we're doing is working and they want to try to snip off as many of our little buds that are are growing and they want to, they want to have them grow their organization that way. Um, I looked at SIS data, just trying to see if uh, we could get any kind of ideas to what their personnel groups were, but obviously that's information that's based off last year's coaching staff. So it's kind of not really relevant. One thing that I thought was interesting. Uh, they're given green Bay two points. They're minus two. The over-under is 49 opening day at Minnesota. I feel like that's an easy money bet for me. I don't know about you, but. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, and when you when you talk about personnel, I, I'm looking at sharp football analysis because I, I was interested in the personnel as well. If I'm reading it correctly here, Jacob, the L.A. Rams offense last year was in 11 personnel 86 percent of the time. Jeez, that's was, a lot. Yeah, it looks like that led the league um, in, in the not just 11 personnel, but that was the uh, the personnel that was used the most team by team. You know, if you sort from mm-hmm. that standpoint. So, yeah, I real mean, quick, if people don't know, it, which I love Clayton's podcast because it doesn't like make people feel stupid because they're asking for basic information. If you're ever wondering what 11 personnel, because I had to look this stuff up to you. The first number just refers to the number of running backs. Second number refers, refers to how many tight ends are on the field. And that way you can understand how many wide receivers are left based on the fact you have five offensive linemen and the quarterback. Absolutely. Just a quick Thank little. You. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. And the reason that we use it is not to sound funny or, or sound cute or cool. Um, it's what the coaches use rather than them standing on the sideline. They, they've got one coach each each Sunday that's dedicated to sending in the right personnel, depending on what the play call is. Right. So the play call comes into the headsets. The personnel coach goes rather than saying three wide receivers, he says yeah. 11, 11. That means one running back, one tight end. It's just amazing how those sidelines communicate and operate. It's easy to watch the game and go, I can't believe they got to delay a game. <laughs> yeah, right. Look at all the moving parts. It's amazing. So good stuff, man. I think that Minnesota is heading in the right direction, but we know that uh, that the Green Bay Packers are God's team and, and we will prevail as always. And obviously uh, <laughs> the only reason Minnesota built a dome up there is because not even God can stand to watch them play. So that's just the way it is. Um, key addition, though, obviously, is Darius Smith. One other thing that kind of stood out to me, um, Jacob, was uh, Johnny Munt the tight end that they brung over from the L.A. Rams, as you guys know, Matt LaFleur has talked about in the past and, and their personnel department is the reason they're not more aggressive um, on tight ends is because the tight end has to know so much and has to do so much in this type of offense. They like veterans and the fact that they went out and got him. I'm not saying he's a superstar, but it's obvious they said this guy's real familiar with the with the system and tight end is a hard position to learn. That's why I think Josiah DeGuara will take a big step this year. So, yeah. Um, all right, man. Cool. Let's move on to Chicago here. Let's see how we're doing on time. Yeah, not too bad. All right. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Moving on to Chicago. Right. Um, the Chicago Bears, obviously, it's a it's a similar situation. It's week two. This is at Lambeau Field, Sunday night football, 820 kickoff. Their 2021 record was six and eleven. Their scoring offense finished 27th with only 18.3 points per game. Their scoring defense finished 22nd with 23.9. Uh, 23.9 points per game that they gave up. And uh, when you look at it, it's very, very similar to Minnesota, Jacob. You've got a brand-new head coach. They bring over the defensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Eberflus. Uh, if you don't know who Matt Eberflus is, he is a kind of a linebacker, an old linebacker's coach, been around the game a long, long time. But uh, what I wanted to do is go in and, and all right, let's look at the, the PFF defensive grades last year. Indianapolis Colts actually finished seventh with their mm-hmm. overall defensive grade, 73.5. So that seems to be a good hire, although I'm not a big fan, Jacob, of uh, of teams hiring defensive coordinators as head coaches. You know, everybody likes to say, well, what about Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick coaches Every side of the ball, special teams, offense, defense. You can see the old NFL films clip of him in there game planning with Tom Brady. Um, it's a whole different ball game. When when you hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach, more times than not, you don't see that success, in my opinion. I just feel like there's something about an offensive-minded coach 
that's great at managing the coaching staff as opposed to a, a fiery defensive guy that just wants to scream all the time. But um, as far as on offense, obviously they hire Luke Getze as their offensive coordinator. He's coming yeah. from the Shanahan tree, came right from Green Bay. So, again, what you're seeing here is uh, is people trying to mimic what Green Bay has done, even right there within the division. Now, the big question is, Jacob, is the talent there? to make this transition. I think we would all agree right now. It's not, I'm sorry. Justin Fields is nowhere near what Aaron Rodgers is running that offense. He's just not. And when you look at the defensive side of the ball, they lost more players than they picked up. That's for sure. But uh, how do you feel about Chicago, man? I mean, it's Chicago to be honest, but I mean, yeah, like you said, it's in, they're stealing our guys. I mean, there's no if, ands or buts about it. They definitely imitation is the biggest form of flattery. Right. So, Mm. And it's funny, I looked on um, the Chicago Bears website or bears.com or whatever it is, and they've got their new coach hires all listed, all, you know, official. They got Matt Aberflus and Luke Getze. And then Alan Williams also is now their defensive coordinator, who was, I believe, the assistant defensive coordinator in Indianapolis with Eberflus. And um, <laughs> when you look at Luke Getze, all it says under his caption is Luke Getze was named Chicago's offensive coordinator on January 30th. 2022 gets the 37 possesses 15 seasons of coaching experience, including seven years in the NFL. It doesn't say which team he was with in those seven years. And then you click on it and it says, Oh, Getsy has been with the Packers all seven years. in the NFL." it's like, they're kind of <laughs> embarrassed to, you know, put it out there. But anyways, I looked at SIS again as to what the Colts did last year, being that they were in charge of their defense. And, you know, like I said, SIS, if you guys ever want to check that out, it is so cool. If you're a stat nerd and if you're kind of like me and you look at it and your head kind of starts spinning, go to the glossary page, spend about an hour looking at the glossary and understanding what the terms, the abbreviations and all that stuff means. And then it opens up a wide array of knowledge for you. And basically, like you said, yeah, PFF last year, they had them as the ninth overall best defense, but they were the fourth best rushing defense. So that, if you're a Bears fan, again, gives you a little bit of justification for feeling like, Oh, maybe you can turn this around. But like you said, they lost a lot of guys last year and then they didn't have a first round pick this year. So their first pick is Kyler Gordon. I mean, a cornerback. Okay, good. Second pick is Jaquan Brisker. Okay. A safety. And then their third pick was like a 26 year old rookie rod receiver. That's basically a special teams guy. So that's already drawn social security. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, and I mean, and their key off season additions, I don't know. Let's see. Lucas Patrick, um, Equinemius St. Brown, Mike Pennell, and Keel Harry, I mean, there's a there's a pattern here, guys. It's it's interesting to see that. And then, like you said, they lost a lot of guys, and most of them are on defense, and they were starters. They might not have been great people, great you know talent, but they were starters. So he's going to have to plug a lot of holes. And like you said, I think that they produced and showed over that three to four year span in Indianapolis that it wasn't a fluke and that they have a good program. But do they have the talent in in Chicago? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, as far as the key losses, too, you mentioned big names. Eddie Goldman, uh, Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks is a big one for me. Obviously, Khalil Mack. Alec Ogletree, Blau Nichols, Artie Burns. I mean, those guys were, like I said, not great, but they're starting. Bruce Irvin. Absolutely. I I think that – there's a good chance that Chicago is the worst team in the league this year. And, and not that they're they're not going to take, you know, steps forward, you know, kind of building a foundation. But this is a complete teardown. I mean, they, yeah. they're going to – I think they think they have – I think they think they think they have <laughs> their quarterback <laughs> in Justin Fields. But, I mean, it's everything I've seen last year. Well, nothing to suggest that to me. However, you, it takes time. Do you think that they really feel that? Because isn't it this a whole new – 
did they kept the GM? Is that correct? And they swapped the the coach. They actually brought in a new GM, right? They because did. I, yeah, I think okay. I believe so. I don't want to. I don't have the information here. You hear the pages flipping. I'm Pat Ball Bailey. Yeah. Over yeah. Well, I know because yeah. basically they wanted to bury the head coach and say that that was the reason. So I, I maybe they, we well, should. They, they brought in Ryan Poles. Wasn't that a new hire? I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah, Bears part ways with general uh, with general manager Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy. Okay, good. And yeah, so they did bring in a new GM. So it kind of feels like you're yeah. right, man. Typically, when a new GM comes in, man, they scrap the whole thing and they go, "This isn't my quarterback." Um, I mean, I just don't feel like they. If you watch it, how they drafted, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they don't seem like they want to give that guy much help, in my opinion. No, that's a good point, man. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. And I'll tell you this, man. One of the listeners called in the other day, or, or they – I can't remember if they called in on the after – I think they did call in the, on uh, Packernet after dark. But they said, I would like to see a live show, a watch party. And I was going, I, none of us really want to do a watch party with a Packers game. But <laughs> division rivals – listen to this, Jacob. Us doing a watch party, watching the Chicago Bears stink up the joint. Bro, oh, that'd be good. That might be gold right there. I'm gonna have to try to get Ramage on that one though. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> right. sure. All right, man. Go. Cool. We'll move on to uh Tampa Bay. This is the uh third and final game that we'll kind of preview here. And um this one I want to dig into a little bit, a little bit deeper here because I mean it, it's Tampa, right? And uh we play Tampa Bay week three. It's it's down there in that Florida Heat 425 kickoff. Uh, obviously, last year the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were thirteen and four. Their scoring offense was second in the league with thirty point one points. Their scoring defense was fifth in the league at twenty point eight points. And uh, you're going to notice too. I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead for just a second, just to point this out. New England um, will be the Week Four opponent. Their scoring defense was second in the league at seventeen point eight. And I mention that because. That the scoring defense is a huge number. You know, something that New England's done for so long is what they call red two, where it's a defense that basically Bill Belichick and Nick Saban created together when they were in Cleveland to where it's a bend but don't break. When they get inside the 20, they go to a red two. And they said this is like deciphering Japanese coding, the way that the, the assignments lay out from man to zone and when to pass them off. It's like this combination uh, of man and zone inside the red zone. I say that because Tampa kind of has that feel to it too. Scoring defense is huge. The teams that can keep other teams out of the out of the end zone and force them to kick field goals typically have a lot of success. And that's kind of how they're built. And you can also say the reason I bring that up with New England is because Tampa, I'm sorry, Tom Brady spent so much time in New England that you can tell he plays offense in the red zone really, really well. I yep. mean, that scoring scoring offense of 30.1 points, uh, second best in the league, he went against that red two for so many years in New England that he's learned how important it is and the emphasis that Bill Belichick puts on being able to finish drives and then also on defense either take the ball away or force them to a field goal. It's huge. But when it comes to the coaching staff, uh, obviously the uh, defensive coordinator, Ted, uh, Ted, Todd Bowles, is promoted to head coach right? Yep. Obviously, the offense coordinator stays the same there in Byron Leftwich. How he didn't get in an NFL coaching gig is beyond me because I guess Tom Brady's just getting all the credit down there, but that offense has been been great. So everything's going to kind of stay the same in that regard, uh, Jacob. Let's look at the PFF grades here. So on offense, they graded out as the fifth best offensive team at 84.7, and on defense – 
they graded out as the 11th best team um, at a 69.9. So I don't expect much to change there from a uh, from a coaching standpoint. But what do you think, you know, like personnel wise all the way across the board? Do you think Tampa's going to take a step forward, a step back? Because I don't think there is no staying the same. You're either uh, better or you're getting worse. What do you see here? Honestly, I I could see it going a number of ways. Um, like you said, Todd Bowles taking over. A little interesting because he's a defensive guy, like you said, but Byron Leftwich, like he's just going to keep that offense cruising. I believe they were the number one ranked passing offense, according to PFF. And Bruce Arians stepping down. Apparently, this guy was like the most chill of chill guys that you've ever met in your whole life, which is probably why Brady was, you know, fine with going there, coming out of retirement, staying again. Um, they literally talked about how in his press conference when he took over, uh, this is from Buccaneers.com, Todd Bowles is talking about how he has to find his spot on the cool, chill spectrum. And he said that he'll never be able to get as cool and chill as Bruce Arians. And that, uh, but he thinks he's probably the second best, second coolest, chillest guy. And then he, somebody asked him like, well, what about Tom Brady? And he goes, all right, I'm the third coolest, chillest guy on the team or whatever. <laughs> and it was, in, uh, again, cool because we're looking at the draft, you know, and a lot of people were surprised by their draft, which is cool because I, if you remember, um, this is my one claim to fame that I'm going to brag about quick. I said Luke Gadecki was, a, I thought, a better prospect than uh, Raymond Bernard, Bernard Raymond or whatever it was. And the Buccaneers agreed with me. They took him with their second pick in the second round, 25th overall. And I'm interested to see. It looks like they're going to try to slot him in at left guard, I think. And that'd be cool to see if he can actually do it. Some key offseason additions. They had Shaq Mason join up, safety Logan Ryan, wide receiver Russell Gage. They sniped Akeem Nix from the Bears. And a couple other guys that are just more filler people. But you look at, <clears throat> like you said, what they did last year, that 11 group personnel, they did it 72% of the time. So that was quite a bit as well. 13 personnel, they only did four times. If you look at what they do, um, again, SIS is really interesting. They'll tell you everything from how much they're under shotgun versus under center, motion versus no motion, gap run versus zone run. I mean, it's, it's so much information. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, but they did lose a lot of people, guys. They lost Jordan Whitehead, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, Rob Gronkowski, and Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, O.J. Howard, Richard Sherman, I mean, and four or five other starters. So they are definitely doing Ronald Jones, Le'Veon Bell, Darren Fells, Josh Wells. So, I mean, they've got a lot of places where they need to patch together and make make a better – to try to match what they did last year. So, in my opinion, I think they take a step back. I just – I. I think it's just the law of averages that they have to, but of course, Tom Brady sold his soul to the devil, as Ryan says long ago. So I'm sure that he, you know, he'll, he'll whip something up, some voodoo, some black magic. One other thing real quick is I'm looking through the PFF stuff, trying to just, you know, look at their lineups and get a snapshot of, I'm looking over, I'm like, who is this guy that's in complete red, the worst graded person on their team? Oh, it's Devin White, who in that article, I believe graded out as a better consensus linebacker than Devondre Campbell, who Unbelievable, was dude. like the dude has a 35.1 defensive grade. <laughs> and he, in 2019, his best year, he was at 51.9, 2020, 48.1, 2021, 35.1. That's my grandma could get that grade. Yeah, dude, I, I could do better than that. I mean, I'd be out in the front yard with a back brace on and could play better. That, it's unbelievable how these – and it, what cracked me up about those articles, there's been a flurry of them come out and they kind of blend together on me. But it sounded like it was, quote, unquote, is executives across the league and coaches oh, yeah. across the league. And, I it, like, one of them said that uh, – 
Aaron Rodgers didn't want to win football games. I mean, literally, <laughs> they, they rated him the number one quarterback in the entire league, and then they ended it with he doesn't want to win football games. I was like – and when they said that, they said – I said, who said that? They said a coach. I went, which coach? It's anonymous. Yeah, it's oh, a, okay, gotcha. The source so familiar with the source. It's the line media that puts this stuff together. There may be some executives. There may be some coaches. But for the most part, they put an opinion piece out there and then tag it with an anonymous source. It cracks me up, dude. But uh, with Tampa, they were one of the more balanced attacks on offense. This, this is kind of uh, kind of cool. They ran 11 personnel uh, 69% of the time, and they had a success rate of 56%. And then they ran 12 personnel 22% of the time, and uh, it only had a 50% success rate. But then they also dipped into um, 13 personnel uh, 5% of the time. So that's, that's one wide receiver on the field. So they like to go to that heavy set occasionally, and you can kind of see it with some of the key additions that you mentioned, Shaq Mason. Uh, Fred Johnson. Then in the draft, they went out and got Luke Gadecki. You could kind of see they're loading up on on offensive line there um, after losing a couple as well. But uh, yeah, the uh, the big thing for me too when it comes to Tampa is it's Tom Brady. When is he going to hit that wall? And you mentioned it, man. We know Giselle Bunchen's out there with the the black magic and and all that. And and, and for everybody who complained that that Aaron Rodgers is supposedly dating a witch, bring it on. Okay, listen. <laughs> it doesn't mess up my eternal salvation. I'm cool with it. But if, if we get a win or two out of it, I'm I'm totally on board <laughs> with with that approach. But Tampa is going to be interesting this year, man, for sure, because there has been some turnover on that roster. And Dominican Sue out, Jason Pierre Paul out. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski has said for the 35th, 3500th time this offseason, he's retired. I still won't be surprised if he comes back halfway through the year. But um, at the same time, man, it's going to be interesting to see if Tom Brady can patch it together one more year. This is just so strange to me, uh, Jacob, that he retired and then all the rumors started swirling that he was going to Miami and wanted to be a part owner. And then all of a sudden that got squashed out and he's back in Tampa. It's just like everything happens so fast. And then the head coach step, you know, Bruce Arian stepping down. It's just a really weird situation down there in Tampa. And again, defensive coordinator, I got a lot of respect for Todd Bowles, but a defensive coordinator as your head coach, I'm not a big fan of. I would not be surprised to see him take a step back too. So good stuff, man. Um, Anything else you want to hit on here before we get out? Anything you want to plug or uh, anything that you're excited about? I know we got, Preseason coming up right around the corner. Training camp's going to get kicked off. Uh, anything uh, Anything you want to plug? Yeah, well, I mean, just again, like I said, if you guys ever have any questions, concerns, comments, feedback, just hit us up on Instagram, on the Twitters. Um, one thing, just trying to gauge the uh, interest, I was kicking around the idea of possibly doing a fantasy football podcast with a buddy of mine. Me and Ryan have kind of had some beginning talks of it. But it's not something I want to do if people really don't care. And part of the goal of that podcast would be to try to get people that are not playing fantasy football, Clayton, into (laughs) getting into it. Because honestly, it's just a great way to expand your overall wealth of knowledge about the NFL. It makes watching games because if you're anything like me, guys, you watch a Packer game and you're you're glued to it. But then, you know, that three o'clock game comes on the seven o'clock game and maybe you don't really care you have it on but you're not interested if you have a fantasy football team and you got some money on the line all of a sudden those games become so much more interesting to watch they become you you become fans of the nfl and not just the packers which you know 
take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, we're diehard Packer fans here, but it helps enjoy the NFL season as a whole a lot more. Yeah, you know, something else, too, and I'm just kind of spitballing here, and we'll wrap this up as we're running out of time, but it might be worth it to see if Ryan wants to do some kind of Packernet podcast listener fantasy league. You well, know? that was my that was my hope is that uh, my friend and I, we'd talked about hope, hopefully if people were interested that we could get multiple different brackets going and then have some sort of like tournament playoff thing. I was hoping that we could get everybody in the Packernet podcast group, you, Ryan, you know, Jake, Sam, everybody, coach, everybody in there and pick a team. I'm going to force you guys at gunpoint <laughs> not literally, yeah. uh, to do it. I mean, I, I really do think it'd be, it'd be fun. Tell you what so, I might do. I may, I may take one of Ryan's top Patreons and have them be my general manager. If we do decide to do that, that'd be funny. Yeah, and he and I can just kind of work. I'll be the, the fat cat owner up here that really doesn't, you know, know what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, the Jerry just, Jones. <laughs> exactly. And I'll just kind of, now I'm staying away from the party buses. We're not getting into that. Yeah, yeah. I'm happily married, all that good stuff. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that, that might be fun, man. Let's uh, let's explore that. But again, like he said, guys, give him feedback. If this is something you guys want, um, that's what's going to, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, man. If it, Man, if you guys want a fantasy show, start plugging Ryan, message him, harass the crap out of him, and uh, say, hey, look, we want a fantasy show. And I, I don't think anybody could do it any better than you, dude. I think it'd be off the charts. So, Jacob, dude, as always, thank you so much for your time, man. And uh, yes, we're going to – we're going to break it down. Like I said, next week we'll jump right into uh, New England. We'll go four, five, and six, weeks four, five, and six, and just keep this train rolling, uh, fill up some air time before we get into training camp here. And, uh, and obviously uh, season or uh, week one of the regular season, I should say. But thanks so much for your time, buddy. All right, bud. Roadhouse. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us and listen. Uh, we will be back on uh, Tuesday afternoon to uh, bring you another show. We're going to have a history segment and some other good stuff lined up for you. So, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go! Not while my scrotum is pressed up against my stomach in these jeans, they won't. Roadhouse. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.